Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Second Act Actors, the podcast that celebrates people who've made a major life change into acting. I'm your host, Janet McMorty, and I was originally and still am a medical doctor, and I decided to pursue acting. This is also my first industry episode. I want to chat with and highlight people in our industry who've positively impacted me and other Second Act actors, people who've given advice, encouragement, constructive criticism, and support. Today, my guest is Lisa Crawford. Lisa is a casino manager turned actor, director, producer, and writer. We talk about everything from chance meetings to transitions and her hit TV show, Pink is In. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, I'm so excited. I was I was thinking to myself, I'm a little nervous because you're the first person I've chatted to who we've never actually met before, even virtually. I think that'll make it more interesting. I think so too. And it's funny because a lot of people I've already interviewed or chatted with, I've never met them in person. Okay. It's just been virtual, yeah. right? Because that's how we meet mm-hmm. all people and I feel like I know them. And, you know, you and I connected through Trish. Yes who I've met for about five minutes total in person. Okay. And everything else has just been online. But it, she's one of those people, as you know, you just feel like you've known her forever. Oh, yes. She, she's she's great. <laughs> the day I really yeah. connected with her, I just knew that we're going to be working together and that there was this connection and that we were just meant to meet kind of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. So... I'm so excited to chat with you because you're my first kind of industry person I've had on the show, even though you are an actor as well, too, yeah. a second act actor. So, yeah, why don't you tell me a bit about your story to getting into the industry and into acting from where you started? Because your journey is fantastic. You know, I I did get into the business very late in life. Um, I do have to admit that it was one of my childhood dreams because my parents my father had this old eight millimeter camera and it was so old that it didn't have batteries you had to wind up this was spring around you wind it up and you'd film and he also had these films like the old charlie chaplin films there was even a western film that he had and some other cartoons woody woodpecker and i used to love watching this as a kid because i grew up in south africa you know which back then there was no television. I grew up without television. It was, you know, just listening to radio stories or or actually going to the theater or one of the local halls to watch films. And I, I just loved films. But, you know, as people grow up, you end up in a different career. I'm actually a qualified elevator technician. <laughs> No way. (laughs) But then from there, I went into the casino business, which was my first passion. I loved it. It was was part of entertainment. um, And I ended up in the Caribbean for 20 years in Curacao before I emigrated to to, uh, Canada. But it was only after my son grew up, my wife had passed away in 2010, And then I had started my transition and my son moved out. And then I said, you know, I want to do what I want to do. And I remember reading an article about how background performers can make $200 a day. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try this. So 
You know, I, I did uh, three three of them in 2016, and I was on a set um, called Ken. It was one of James Franco films, and it was the first time it was shooting a casino scene where somebody gets arrested. And it was the first time, just doing background, that you had to do reactions and, and be shocked at the scene. And I had so much fun doing that. And I was, they had these, uh, the directors were twins, I can't remember their names. And I was watching them instruct the, the actors and I was looking and I said, I think I can do that, you know. And I kept seeing this, um, I was living in Niagara Falls at that time, and I kept seeing this um, Add on Kijiji, you know, acting lessons by a gentleman of the name of Livingston Beaumont. And I eventually called him up. It was in December and he, he set up my first lesson was the 17th of December. And I, I think it was one of the best things I did because he really gave me a little insight into acting. And there were three stages he did. And I just started then and I got my very first role the next month actually on a student film. It was uh, called Captured and it was just silent on camera, but it was it was a great experience. I really had fun doing that. And then after that, I got a few other roles and then eventually earning my first actor credit on Umbrella Academy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the opening scene of the very first episode. And that is actually where Trish and I actually connected was actually on that show she was really? yeah she was one of the special um skills people with the swimming and then and they had pushed me into this booth matron uh, and i was doing that and uh I, I just remember standing there and then all of a sudden she appeared in front of me and she started just started talking to me and i said wait aren't you the the aren't you trish from my roommates and escort and we just ended up chatting the whole day. You know, that's how I did. But it was actually in 2018 that I decided, you know, I want to... My passion was really about filmmaking. So I did my first two films. It was What If and Death Game. Yes. And they actually, fortunate, we got into quite a few film festivals around the world. But then in 2019, 19, I met up with Darren Stewart-Jones, by chance on set and and he was a playwright and he said you know he's he'd love to get into film and he had two plays and we did um his film it was a play called digging up dorothy and by then i'd, I'd slowly started connecting with other people um and really getting experience the first two films the very first film whatever was a very small one but death came mm -hmm. I, I got involved with other students um passionate students and that to me was my real film school I'd say death game by the time I reached uh, 2019 I was connecting with the right people and we did digging up Dorothy and it was when I actually came up with the idea of Pinkers in and we shot a teaser mm. with a bunch of friends um, in the end of December 2019 and we we're very fortunate to have the show picked up right during the pandemic and we shot it during the pandemic and that was season one and and now we were very fortunate we got season two which we just finished we're in post-production and but interesting with that and that is where i chose trish when when i came up with that idea the first person i thought of the role was trish i said i want her to play the tough top dog character top dog yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
it from just yet you'd only met her in playing uh, at the Umbrella Academy? Well, actually, I actually bumped into her before, funny enough, but we never really connected. Um, I remember I was just starting to, I said, okay, I need to make inroads in the film business. And I happened to come across, they were doing a promotion for my roommates and escort. And they said, if you follow all these, you get invited to our red carpet event. So I did all that, shared them, watched the episodes, and I got the invite. <laughs> and I briefly met met Trisha. I even got a photo taken with, with her and uh, Katie. And But we never really got a chance to really chat. It was only on Umbrella County because of that interaction that we did. And then we communicated back and forth. I remember I helped out with a job um, doing patient role playing. I used to do that for one of the medical schools. Yes. So that was... Were you at McMaster? No, it was actually uh, one in... in um, in Toronto, it wasn't. Uh, oh, okay. I can't remember exactly the name of them, but yeah, they did. They did a lot of the, especially the foreign doctors, because they had to redo yeah. their whole. Even though they were trained in their countries, they had to redo everything. Mm-hmm. But it was a real interesting um, thing, and, and being able to hone your skills and acting skills. It's that's so funny because you know I went I went to medical school at McMaster and I we had to do a ton of that with the standardized patients as they're called yeah and I remember so many of them being from theater schools uh-huh. or actors and because like yeah that pays pretty good and I get to hone my skills yes you know play a psychiatric patient play mm-hmm. this patient and I was like I never would have thought about that that's it's brilliant it is a, it it can be tough at times because I remember. There were times when I ha- I can't remember how many they'd have so many students and you have to do the, the same thing over time. I remember I got given depression one day and I think I had about 30 students in that and I actually made myself cry on demand like 22 times out of the 30. Oh. Eventually my eyes, I was dried up from tears, you know. It was because I really, I would really sort of throw myself into the role of it. time when you realized in your mind you would I don't want to say rather be a director because you are you're in pink is in yes and I'm the producer actor and and the producer yeah was there a time when you said oh I'd I really want to be the producer be the director or has that always been kind of lingering there was there something that you saw well I know you mentioned in Umbrella Academy the director but was there always kind of something like especially with your work in the casino that kind of Similar to the work in the entertainment industry? Yes, um, that was, you know, funny enough, um, when I was a kid, my father had this old book, and I was so fortunate I managed to find it, and I actually brought it to Canada. It was from the 1940s, and was from one of the cigarette companies, and you had to collect these cards from the cigarettes, and it was all about films, the classic films, and the Oscars, and everything, and I used to love looking at the book, looking at all the stars, and I used to dream that one day I'm going to go to Hollywood and I'm going to become a filmmaker. And this was when I was maybe 10, 11 years old. And uh, so I, I never thought I'd end up in, in this business. But it's funny how just all of a sudden, it, I remember having a realization, I was actually doing background, which background for me was my film school as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned, I used to pay attention on set and, and watch what's going on. And um, it was designated survivor. They they booked me with my car in the scene. So I was sitting in this thing and watching them filming this whole scene on the street scene. And it just hit me that day. And I said, wow, 
I'm actually living my dream, my childhood dream. You know, it was to go to Hollywood, but I'm in, in Hollywood North, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in the film business and I'm watching this action, I thought, wow, it was a realization that, wow, a childhood dream is actually coming to tradition, you know, so it was a pretty cool, cool moment. But so, so yeah, in the background, there was always my desire to to actually produce and create films. But I was surprised that I actually became an actress, you know, <laughs> because it, it was something I never even thought of doing. It was just that one day being on set and just being inspired mm-hmm. by it. But a funny thing, you know, being transgender when I had my first principal agent, And she was interviewing me and she says, so what acting experience do you have? So I said to her, well, for most of my life, I had to act the role of a male. So that was acting. (laughs) It's funny because when I've chatted with other people who've gone into acting or into the entertainment industry later on the life, later on in life, such as you, such as myself, a lot of us started with background work just yes. as a way to escape from our other careers, which were either burning us out or we just wanted a change. And wanting to do something creative or wanting, in my case, wanting to do something in the film industry because I just love film, but not knowing what I want to do. So it's like, I just want to be to quote Hamilton, be in the room where it happens. I don't know what I want to do. I just want to be there and see it be done. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully I'll get guidance from there. But it's incredible how many people have gone through the background route and decided, ooh, I want to direct. Oh, I want to act. Oh, I want to do producing. It is. I I think, I really think it is a good route. You know, there is that little stigma with certain um, Mm -hmm. agents. They say, oh, you must either be a principal actor or background. But you know, it's it's like my acting coach says, I'd rather stay in my lane. Because some people who are actors, they might be working at a supermarket or in a bar and then waiting for that one role. But at least with background gets you more on set and you learn. You know, if you apply yourself, you can learn. And where else, I always say it was my film school, because where else do I get the chance to to see some of the top directors in the world? see the best, the top A-list actors performing their skills. And that's why when I go there and you get put right front and center in there and you can learn. And the best thing of this, you're getting paid and fed. And fed. It was funny. My very first time doing background, I it was for a new movie that's just come out, Nightmare Alley, and it was Guillermo del Toro. So talk about like, the top of the top of the top for ex- yeah. for background work. We're in like these cool costumes, 1940s, full hair, mm. full makeup. And all I wanted to do was just escape from the healthcare industry, which was, it was this peak of the pandemic. And I'm like, I just need to go somewhere where I can just escape. And I can't go to Disneyland right now, so I'll go to this film set. And yeah, it's like watching a master class in directing, in acting. And also you get to meet all these people that... I would have never oh, yes. met ever if I had not escaped that little bubble of my career. That that is so true. The the amount of connections of people, you know, I've met on set and just the interesting things. You know, I remember I was on a show and met up with a a, a musician, a jazz musician who grew up with George Benson. You know, and he was telling me stories about George Benson. I used to love listening to his music. So it's you you get to meet all these people, and the interesting thing with Pink is in is that it was created 
written, produced, and cast by four of us that we had met doing background. So four of those, four of us from Pink is in. That's where it started. Wow. And that is where where I had some of the the actors and actresses that were in, are in Pink is in are people that I met on set. And I, I was actually the show. I got inspired by the show actually doing background on a show called New Eden. I was playing a prisoner, and I had to play a sort of. I had to intimidate one of the lead the leads in the show. And uh, the friend of mine, Caroline, she was playing a prison guard. And we had so much fun that day. I walked up to her when we wrapped and I said, you know what, Caroline, we have to do a comedy about a female's prison. And that's when the idea was conceived on that day. And it, it was a few, a few weeks later, we actually sat down in this restaurant. We said, okay, let's create, what kind of characters should we create for this? So it was, it was really fun. Well, yeah. And I think that's, you know, to talk about like fate and stuff, like think about mm. like, just if that, like all these like serendipitous meetups and whatnot, right? Like I think yeah. that is one thing that has surprised me, I think the most about the entertainment industry is how much that happens. It's about oh, meeting yes. people and interacting with people and getting to know the people on set. And then you never know mm-hmm. what's going to spiral from there. Well, I shouldn't say spiral. It sounds like you're spiraling out, but like grow from there. That's really cool. Pink is in. I oh got, we have to talk about it. it, it I've yeah. seen it. I binged it when I first met Trish. I was like, who is this person? This is great. And you just finished season two. That's right. Yes. Is that, when is it coming out? It's going to be out in March, um, March on Bell 5 TV One. So, and it's oh, this season is going to rock! Wow, what a big, a big improvement from season one. We just had a review because of the network. We had to send them a rough cut, and oh my god, the the review that they came back on this that what they said it was just a validation of everybody. You know, I always say a film is not one person; it's the whole team. And I mean, from the cast, crew, every single person that was involved in Pinker's End contributed to the success mm-hmm. of the show. It's hilarious. If anyone hasn't watched it, binge it. It's so funny. And it's so, and I, don't, I was trying to find a word to describe it. And I think somebody else in an interview you interview that I watched with you described it. And I was like, yes, that's perfect. It's so Canadian. There's a, there's a vibe about it that's just different than a lot of stuff that comes from the States. And I, I can't put my finger on it, but I'm like, it's Canadian. Yes. Well, well, it, it, it is also, it's, it's also a little bit of a throwback to a bit of British comedy. This is what I love about Canadian comedy, because, you know, Kim and I, the writer, had, had this con- uh, conversation before because there is the British comedy and then you've got the American comedy. But what I love about Canadian comedy, it's almost a blend of the two, mm. you know, and, and that's where where our show is different. And, and where our show is also different is we want, we not your normal comedy. We, we went really, it's a totally wacky show. I really like, and I think, I think this may be part of the Canadiana of it, is that There are a lot of really great Canadian shows that have representation and diversity, but that's not like the key point of the plot. It's not like here is the show and this is Mm -hmm. the trans or genderqueer person that's going to be their story. There's lots of great Canadian shows out there, including Pink is In, where it's like, these are these people and that's, that's, that's the people. And now here's the story. It's like not a point. It's just, they're just there and that's who they are. 
Yeah, that that is one one of the things that I I said, and especially this is where one of my struggles with being transgender with limited roles, and that I decided that, and one of the things, and we as a team, we our our slogan is actually creativity through diversity. But with Pink is in, what we decided to do is. Uh, these are characters who just happen to be played by a transgender, genderqueer, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. So we're not making an issue about who they are. Yeah. Uh, the character just happens to be played, and that's how we, we sort of play. And we, our show, we're not trying to make a political message with our show, mm-hmm. and we want to be pure, pure entertainment. And I think that's what it's, – it's refreshing, and I think it's what people want right now is that mm-hmm. comedy. But also it's like, yeah, this is what the world is, and we're showing it, and this is yeah. how Canada is. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I also really like – and it's funny about – and again, I know – I think I'm copying somebody else's interview because it was just – it just hit me. I was like, yes, this is exactly what it was when I was watching the show. I know a lot of the people in your show, the actors, because yeah. we recognize them from, I've been in acting classes with them. You know, we're all kind yeah. of at that same, you know, kind of level of trying to make it in Hollywood North. And none of them are typecast. Like, I think about like yeah. tr- when Trish and I talk about, we audition for the same thing all the time. We are the mom. We are the girlfriend. We're the fun friend. We're slowly aging out, kind of worried about that. But here she is playing this badass woman who I to be honest I think would get cast by somebody totally different if this was a show coming out of Hollywood this is not your typical type you know I I love it yeah that that is one of the things I love personally about is about giving people the opportunity where then like you said people will always get typecast and I love to give somebody an opportunity where they generally won't be given that opportunity. And that, that is what I, I love to do. That and, and sometimes I was just having a conversation with our writer about this yesterday where I said some of it does come from my casino um, experience because as a producer and being a manager, I used to manage five casino slots operations. But what I do find I have the ability is to see somebody's talent and where other people won't give them the chance. I like to give them that chance, you know, and, and, and I, I, love, I love knowing that I can help. And even if they come on our show and they progress and even go further up, I'm so happy for them, you mm-hmm. know, to see people succeed and giving them the chance to follow their dreams do you think given the fact that that kind of mirrors what you went through you kind of wanted to put that more on wanting to give that gift to other people who are kind of starting out later on and yeah i i think i know that i'm living my dream at the mm-hmm. moment and but it's so fulfilling when you help other people fulfill their dream you know we have so many other people uh that have you know that I've given them the chance, they've contacted me, messaged me, and they just thanked me for this opportunity, you know. And just a little on a sad note, not to bring everything down, you know, we did have one of our actresses pass away over December that played uh, Princess. But I remember her actually telling me, and this is just before we filmed, 
season one, she called me up on the phone and I always say it's the old fashioned way because, you know, everybody's texting these days. Yeah. I love it. I love it when you actually speak to somebody on the phone. And I remember Cheryl just saying to me how much this opportunity meant to her mm. to play a principal role on a television show, you know, and, and even um, we introduced uh, a really great actress, Alexa, um, she's a little person, and and when she was when we we wrapped her, she was so she came up to me and gave us a gift, and and she wrote this beautiful letter, just thanking her for the opportunity for this because she gets typecast because mm-hmm. of being short. She's always typecast in certain roles, but to to give people that opportunity, I think it's just I, I love it. It just makes me so happy to see other people's dreams being fulfilled. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Has anything really surprised you about the entertainment industry? You know what did actually is um, when I started uh, taking the acting lessons and when I was non-union at the time, I used to get quite a lot of auditions and I would go to these auditions and then you'd eventually find I was just applying for just general female roles back then and I'd see some of the same people will be auditioning and what I was surprised to me was how friendly and everybody was they wishing everybody well where I heard you hear these crazy stories of how people in the waiting room will try and throw off another actor because it's a real doggy dog to because there's only that one role so I mean I think when I don't know what the ratio is, is when there is a role that's something like maybe 100 to 200 people apply for it and they'll frizz it down to maybe 50 or 40 to to audition so the odds are really stacked against you for the role so but I really found out I really I was surprised pleasantly surprised that and and this is especially amongst the female uh, the actresses I don't know if that's the same with the males but it, it, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by that I would definitely agree with you. That's been the biggest surprise for me as well, too, especially in like how generous people can be. Yes. Um, and I and I kind of I, and I think it's it was a shock to me again, like you were saying, because you expect you've heard the stereotype. Yeah. But I wonder, especially like again, it's we've been talking about Canada versus the U.S. I have no experience with the American system, mm. where in Canada, I think. Like you were noticing how quickly you build these relationships with people just from meeting people. So how quickly you would lose that relationship if you weren't friendly. Yeah. Why not be nice to someone? Cause you never know where it's going to go. It is, you know, it, it is. Uh, if you keep a positive uh, energy and friendly, it does spread. And you know, they, I, I do believe in karma, you know, <laughs> So, so if you do, if you do put about a positive and friendliness vibe, and you you will, it just helps spread that uh, friendship and love amongst humanity. As somebody who I know you've got the background in acting, but also the directing and producing, you've met a lot of actors. And met some people who, mm-hmm. like Trish and even yourself, who were not always actors. They did stuff and then changed, transitioned into acting. Tell me about actors. Like, what's your experience with them, especially people who just later on in life have chosen to do this? Do you notice a difference between people who've been doing it since they were kids and went to theater school? Or just tell me about your experience just with actors, say, on this, on Pink is In. Well, with that, I will tell you this, and it's just not related to Pink is In. When I actually 
even through background. And, you know, everybody used to look up to these stars and say, look at these stars. And being on set with even some of these A-list people and you realize that they're just human, you know, and, and, and some of them are really nice people. They'll actually sit and talk to you. You know, I've been on sets uh, in Toronto where the leads will come in, introduce themselves to me and just start talking to me. So um, I, I think what I have found is there's some really good, genuine people. You'll get the odd person that it goes to their head and they'll say like, well, I'm an actor, I don't even want to talk to you sort of thing. But, uh, but I have found with the Pinkers in cast, oh, they are amazing people. I mean, just like off camera, they're just friendly and personal and, and always say they just they're only human, you know, and that's, that is what I, I have found with that. But I, I do, I have found, and I would recommend uh, strongly if somebody does want to get into acting, it's do take some lessons, you know, even if it's private lessons and that, because that does show. And, and I, especially in Pinkers End, we have a few of our cast members that um, have really gone to some really good acting schools and, taking some really good lessons and it shows it does show and that kind of transitions to a question that i love asking if you have any other advice for someone who's kind of at that point saying i'm not really happy with where my life is going right now i want to get more creative any advice into switching into a career like yours yeah i would say if you do go into acting you know one good thing about acting lesson and i say this to other people even if you don't necessarily want to become an actor the lessons itself are really great because it it sort of taught me to be confident about yourself and uh, not to be afraid. And I do say definitely if anybody does want to get into acting, go take some lessons. I don't, you don't have to go to the top schools and just have uh, like a private, like when I had the acting lessons, it was generally a one-on-one -on -one and sometimes there might be two or three people. But it was really interesting. You knew need that those, just those basic acting skills that and certain things and and also yours and that's where you see doing background helps is that if somebody sell, tells you to slate or do this and that you at least know what to to do you know some of the the film the the terminologies and things on set and and set etiquette that kind of thing it does yeah. does help is there anything that you I have two things i was thinking about when you're saying that the first one is i remember thinking when i first started taking acting lessons i was like oh well this is great it's cheaper than therapy and i'm getting the same benefit <laughs> and then i was like yeah. then my acting coach was like no 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 <laughs> but again yeah. it was that again trying to find that creative outlet and the lessons that you learn not just the yeah. acting lessons but trying to find yourself and the confidence in yourself yes um which yeah. i think is really is really key and again i I wonder, I wonder if again, if I'd gone through theater school, what, how I would have been like, but do you see, do you think you bring anything else besides you're talking about finding, finding everyone's hidden talents from your first job? Do you think you bring anything else from your life in the casino world, in the elevator world into um, your jobs now? Oh, yes, it does. Um, especially from the producing point of view, having that casino experience, having that run, managing, getting into budgets, that definitely does help. But even on the acting side, you know, some of the past experience, because I've traveled around the world a bit and I've have met so many different people from different nationalities, cultures. And so that helps me understand people. Um, so, yeah, there is things in the past that you do. And one of the... the things they do say 
one of the most important things I learned about acting is that if you have to do a crying scene, you don't pretend to be crying. Or if you have to be happy, you don't pretend to be happy. You have to feel it. And, and sometimes you can tap into experiences of the past to sort of put you into that sort of frame of mind or, and to become that character. Yeah, and I think that's something I remember my, what my first acting teacher saying, who was the first person to say to me, wow, that's great you're doing what you're doing, Trent, like simultaneously having the career and doing acting, as opposed to I'd had people say, oh, well, you didn't go to theater school. <laughs> Good luck. You're behind everyone else. And somebody saying to me, no, like, you have so much more of a history of a past to pull from. And I think that's, yes. that's real, not just for acting, but just for interaction with humans in general, but definitely for acting. No, no, definitely. Because, you know, being, being an actor, you, you have to realize that there could be very, various yeah. roles, you know, from I've played what you are, a doctor, <laughs> I've played doctor, boy. you know, you, you play a nurse or something like that. But yeah, you can actually tap into to those experiences and, and it does um, bring a bit of realism to, to the character. If you do have that experience in the past that you can tap in, so it definitely does help. Life skills, definitely. Mm -hmm. I remember my acting coach actually saying to me, Everybody at some point in their life has done some acting. Yep. Yep. <laughs> One of the biggest things I've, when I've been chatting with people is when they've been doing their transitioning into a different career, the reason why they switch from one to the other is usually kind of a negative thing. Like, oh, I'm not being fulfilled. I'm burning out. I'm just not enjoying this anymore. And then they, try, they switch into a different career and they... In, in hopes of finding the joy and the creativity. But obviously, a creative career is not immune to burnout either. Is there something that you found that's been helpful for you or any advice if you are feeling like the fire's kind of going out from your creativity? I always recommend that people should do something mm -hmm. that they're passionate about. And, you know, the film business, I'm so passionate about it. But if people, yeah, about the fire burning out, the way I keep myself... Um, lights my fire is I set a goal I, I would say this is what I'm aiming for this is where I'd like to go I mean I and some of them are pretty high expectations but it, it gives mm -hmm. you a goal to work towards you know I, I always say to people and they always say a positive mindset I've been very fortunate to be very more on the positive I'm a optimistic person um and then one of the things is setting a goal and saying, this is what I want to accomplish. That's what I want to work on and do that. I think that's what, it, because there are times when nothing's happening, you're not getting auditions and you haven't yet. I know I get a little bit of a withdrawal Simpson, when I'm not on set <laughs> for a while, you know, and, and it is, it, it is tough at times, but I, I try and work towards something and that's what can light, light, Light you up. And, and I always also believe it's just a personal thing that I do that whenever there's a bad moment in my life, I always believe that something good is coming. Because, you know, whenever you hit rock bottom, there's, there's only, the only way is up from there. So, so that's, that's the approach I take. That's nice. I like that. That's great advice. So I always like to end with these three questions. Okay. Um, they're just more kind of fun because usually we kind of get kind of deep into some psychological stuff. So kind of some fun questions. Um, can you tell me about a really funny or your favorite moment on set? 
I've had some many, many favorite moments on set. You know, I mean, just playing the prisoner on that day, that was that was so much fun. There's a, some crazy story, and it's not on set, but I, I suppose it does relate to acting, maybe. <laughs> that happened to me. Um, it was when I came to Canada, I, after the casino business, I did I went in the vending business, and I just started my transition when I started the vending. So I was at a moment where I was had to switch between male and female roles, you know, and I just had these machines that were arriving at my storage. So I get a call from the storage guy and say, oh, your machines are there. But I know he's only met me as my male self. And I'm as a female. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I handle this? So I said, I'll tell you what, I'm sending my sister down there to handle the problem. So I go there and I go there and take her. And he's saying, calling calling my other name says oh why don't you speak to your brother maybe he can just say no 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 I'll take care of this and I did that I'm thinking oh I hope he doesn't call because I got my phone in the park oh my god so anyway I at this I sort out the problem and I go back home so I call up the guy and I said or, or, or he called my I can't remember who called so now he's telling me he thinks he's speaking to now the male my brother and he's telling me all what transpired i said yes and i knew exactly what went on because i was Whoa. there yeah <laughs> so it was it was a little bit of a acting experience i had to pull off that sounds like a movie oh my gosh that's amazing that's great and he had no idea i love that that's fantastic how would you think your parents loved ones or guardians how do you think they would describe what you do for a living I, I think um, I know they, they'd be very proud of me. I was very fortunate. I got to see my parents before they both passed away. They were still in South Africa. And, and they finally got to meet me as Lisa for the very first time in their life. And But it was, was very interesting uh, when I was uh, – we were filming in a, in a place called Cedars, the campground. And I met up with a, a guy, a stranger, and then he, he said to me, he said, Says, you know, by the way, I'm psychic. Your mom was here and she's so proud of you. And I was like, whoa, surprised. And I was with friends and he signaled at me. And I was the only one that had, whose mother was still not, was not alive. And, and then I realized it was actually my mom's anniversary of her death that very same day. So I'm pretty sure that they are proud of me you know and especially with my father with uh, the camera and funny enough today I just um, got a message from my sister in South Africa they found my dad's old camera and they're shipping it to me and this is something I really want because this is what started my passion and and to get that old real camera this is going to be such a good piece of memorabilia to keep it's like a yeah, like a what is it, a totem or like a yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's gonna be so nice to just like touch it. Yes, that's so great. <laughs> is there anything right now does not have to be related to the entertainment industry, acting, or anything? Anything right now in this moment that you're like, oh, I'm so excited about it. I have to say that January is exciting time because it's always waiting for news and because we were fortunate, we we're waiting to, because we've had put in some nominations for Pinkers in, 
even with the Canadian Screen Awards, with Actor Awards. So we're waiting to hear on that. So that's sort of exciting for us. We're also waiting. We're putting in for funding as well. We're waiting for that. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping to do a feature film. And I, I'd really love to do a feature film in 2022. So that's kind of exciting and what I'm looking forward to. That January, February is going to be an interesting month and just... Just waiting for that anticipation, and I, you know, if we do get a nomination, I think it's we great validation. We've been very fortunate with Pinkerton; we've won three awards so far, you know, and and it's just a validation that that what amazing work the whole Pinkerton team has done. Wait till you see season two. I think it's it's uh, we we had we were very fortunate to to get um, Patrick McKenna. He's from the Red Green Show. On. Oh uh, yes. yeah, he he was our special guest star. So and uh, we had such amazing performances this time. You know, it's it's. Mm-hmm. I think what it, what happened, what the writer Kim was saying, is that because he was able to see how everybody played the characters in season one, it helped him write better, write more for their character, and and you will see this. I think uh, season two is just going to blow people's minds away. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited for it. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Your journey into the entertainment industry is so inspiring. Thank you for having me on the show. This has been really great talking to you. I, I think I'm actually inspired by you. You, you oh, know, God. you were saying you're a doctor, <laughs> an actress, and stunts. That's that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's a blast. It's a blast. Thank you for tuning into our conversation and thank you, Lisa, for being so generous with your time and story. I love what you said about the importance of forming long-standing connections with others in our community. I'm really learning how important and honestly joyful that is. On our next episode of Second Act Actors, I talk with an engineer and tech guru turned actor about optimization, team sports, and Dexter's Lab. I hope you'll join us. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!